So, ready for Awakening Joy Part 2? <laughs> no guarantees. You know. um, as a very brief review, um, three teachings that um, that were basing this approach to uh, the Dharma as a path of happiness. One, wise effort, cultivating wholesome states, and when, uh, when there's a wholesome state that's arisen, to maintain and strengthen it, <clears throat> increase it. Two, there is a gladness, a quality of uplift connected with an experience of a wholesome state. <clears throat> and when there is um, awareness, mindfulness applied to that feeling of well-being, it, that's how you maintain and increase it. <clears throat> Not by grasping, not by holding on, but just by being present for it and not missing it. And three, whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon becomes the inclination of their mind. And so with practice, more and more, the, um, the mind, there's a familiarity with those states of well-being and more and more that's where the mind naturally inclines to. <clears throat> we spoke of um, the intention to cultivate well-being, intention for happiness, really consciously putting that in the, in the center of your life, not as a, as a selfish exercise, but as uh, really as an act of generosity because the more you're in touch with it then the more everybody can experience it. Mm -hmm. I'm curious just before I go on uh, if you had that in your consciousness uh, today I asked you last night to um, to get in touch with that decision. Anybody have that in their mind today as they were practicing? Fabulous. <laughs> Now, I say that because that's how it works. When you just plant a seed, it begins to sprout. So just notice what seeds you're planting in your mind. And um, you know, when, when people do the, the course, I'm just continually reminding them of that seed. Oh yes, I really do want well-being and happiness. And then, if you understand where it can be found, you're just then facing in that direction. Mm -mm. Um, so, intention and mindfulness as the, the um, best tool to weaken the unwholesome states and strengthen the wholesome states. Gratitude, which opens us up. There's a, a beautiful line in the Mangala Sutta, the, the Blessing Sutta, where the Buddha says, to be content and grateful. This is a blessing supreme. This is not just some nice California stuff. Oh, yes, gratitude feels so nice, you know. This is what the Buddha said, to cultivate gratitude. This is a great blessing in, in one's life. Mm. So um, the fourth, now I have a chance to go a little bit more in depth with uh, these other ones. So the, the fourth wholesome state that I um, find so, uh, well, essential to include is opening up to the difficult as a direct path 
to joy and well-being. Mm-hmm. And I remember I mentioned last night with the Buddha this, uh, his teaching on transcendental dependent arising, where he said that suffering, when held skillfully, can lead to faith. Faith can lead to gladness, joy, contentment, happiness, peace, awakening. Mm. And that's what we've been doing here a lot. So we're not afraid to face our suffering, but really uh, can transform it into wisdom and compassion and all the qualities that um, that we are looking for right there in how we work with our difficulties. <clears throat> I wanted to, uh, before going on, reading uh, reading a, a beautiful poem on this. Let me see. There was something else. That... Yeah, I'll just go with this. Uh, this is a, a poem by Jennifer Wellwood, who's a really wise uh, Dharma teacher and poet. And this is a, a poem she wrote called Unconditional. Let's listen to this. Willing to experience aloneness, I discover connection everywhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior who lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I find fullness without end. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me and becomes itself transformed into its radiant jewel-like essence. I bow to the one who has made it so who has crafted this master game. To play it is pure delight. To honor its form, true devotion. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me. And this is what I know Um, so many of you, probably all of you in your way, have been learning, instead of running from the things that frighten us, to say, okay, let me feel this a little at a time. You don't need to go in beyond what you feel your capacity is. It's important to know what your limits are, but to not be afraid to touch it with some kindness and courage and awareness and support. And that's what we're doing here. And that's how this works. And we're given just what we need in some ways, if we understand it, to wake up. Here's another uh, beautiful passage that I love from um, Sri Aurobindo's partner, called the mother, his dharma, uh, his dharma partner, uh, a very wise, uh, wise woman. And she says this, um, you carry in yourself all the obstacles necessary to make your realization perfect. If you discover a very black hole, a thick shadow, be sure there is somewhere in you a great light. It is up to you to know how to use the one to
to realize the other. Mm. So this is the kind of mystery of of our journey. Uh, I mentioned this in one of the groups that this realm, this human realm, is the optimal one to wake up. I don't think I mentioned this in the hall, did I? No. In 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 Buddhism, there are uh, in in one some cosmologies there are different realms of existence from hell realms and hungry ghost realm and animal realm and human realm and uh, what's called titan realm and the high the highest realm uh, in planes of existence the, the the deva realm the heavenly realms and it's said that the human realm is the best one to be born in if you really want to wake up even better than the Deva realm. As much fun as that sounds. <laughs> I mean, don't knock it if you're there. Right? But when you're in the Deva realm, you say, wow, it's cool. I can just hang out. And you can hang out there for a long time. But you're not motivated to really see where freedom lies. But the human realm has both sorrow and joy. And we need both of them to really wake up. To wake up and understand and deepen compassion and our capacity to, to be with the difficult. And the joy to appreciate and delight in life. And to see, oh, it's about being here for, as I've said a number of times before, the whole ride. So this understanding and, and seeing our difficulties as a path to awakening joy, um, paradoxical though it might seem, is really a key. You know, if I, if I just said, oh, let's cultivate all these sweet, delicious moments you know, then as many of happiness programs, it would just be, you know, putting a smiley smile on your face. And as I often say, it, this is not a, a feel-good program, it's a feel-everything program. And, that, <laughs> and that's, that's what the Buddha said. Feel everything. He starts out his teaching, there's suffering in life. You know, that's that's a pretty radical way to start a teaching. Not, oh, this is going to make you feel so good. You know, they're suffering in life. <laughs> yeah. But he says, the more you can open up to that, the less you're afraid of that reality and the more you can come to the end of suffering. So we've been doing that, and I think that's enough on, on this one since you've been practicing it probably a lot for the last four or five days yeah, dealing with the difficult when it comes. And it's been really, you know, so moving. I, I, you know, we've, we've all been so moved to just hear, hear your own reports, not, not spouting some, some text or some teaching, but you're talking from your own verified experience. Remember when I talked about it? because you've been willing to, to be there with it. So, then on to... Um, I'll just go through and I'll stop uh, and, 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 uh, and go in depth on a couple of these, but I might as well give you the whole lay of the land. So, the, the fifth wholesome state to, um, to open up to is, uh, I mentioned briefly, Integrity. Okay. Again, not not being. Don't you feel good? I'm okay. Don't worry about me. Now let me get that passage. Anyway, it better be worth it. Okay. Ah, uh, thanks. Mm. Mm. 
Thank you so much. Can I do it? Can I yeah, it? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your paper. That's right. Hmm. Most uh-huh. of it's in plastic. Yes. <laughs> Let me just like the. I wonder what they'll think on the recording. (laughs) We're having fun here. Okay, I'll let go of the notes now. Okay, here it is. (laughs) Back to integrity. For one who leads a virtuous life, it is a natural law that remorse will not arise. For one free of remorse, it is a natural law that gladness will arise. For one who is glad at heart, it is a natural law that joy will arise. I'll just read that again. For one who leads a virtuous life, it is a natural law that remorse will not arise. When you what, remorse, regret, guilt, feeling of I've done something wrong. Okay, when you're not when you're not causing harm, there's no guilt or regret or shame or uh, um, from your own actions. Uh, anyway, uh, that arise and oh, it feels so good to not not feel I've done something wrong, bad. And for one who is free of remorse, it's a natural law that gladness will arise. And for one who is glad at heart, it's a natural law that joy will arise. So the Buddha said, um, really, if you don't want to suffer inside, don't cause harm to others or to yourself. This is important to include yourself. And that's why we take those precepts, because when we, uh, when we are committed to not causing harm, it kind of, we are reminded, oh, Wait, I'm I'm not doing this as best I can, uh, and you experience what the Buddha called the bliss of blamelessness. Uh, I love that line, the bliss of blamelessness, where you feel so good about not feeling bad about anything inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this one teaching where he says uh, he talks about different kinds of happiness. There's that he talks about four kinds of happiness in this one discourse. The happiness of being free of debt, very practical. There's the happiness of having enough good fortune that you can be taking care of those close to you. There's the happiness that comes from um, being so good, having such good fortune and prosperity that you can be generous with Others, not even those close to you, but you experience that joy of generosity. And then the fourth happiness is called the bliss of blamelessness, where you don't have anything to feel bad about. And in this discourse, he says, compared to the first three, no, compared to the bliss of blamelessness, 
those first three are not one-sixteenth as potent a source of happiness. I don't know how he figured that out, <laughs> but that's what it says. That's the equation. And we know that when we are, we might have prosperity, but if we've done something that feels bad inside, we, it, it keeps on plaguing us. And it feels so good on the front end, often, oh, this is going to feel so good. And then, or, yeah, I really do want to click that send button. They deserve it. You know that. And then you click it, and then afterwards you say, ooh, what was I thinking? You ever had that feeling? And then there's so much to clean up afterwards. So he says, look on the front end and see, where is this leading to? And if you don't want to suffer, you'll, um, you'll act with uh, integrity and align with your values. But we're not saints, most of us. If you're a saint, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> uh, and so it also is essential to learn to forgive ourselves because we blow it. That's part of being human. And so it's really um, an integral part of the process to learn how to forgive. And we've been doing self-compassion and we can heal from the past and just seeing, oh, I didn't know better. You know, I, I, I share about how on the first time I did a, a loving-kindness retreat, um, as, as has been said in the, the instructions, sometimes when you do loving-kindness, the opposites come out. Your pettiness, your, your, uh, your small-mindedness. And the first time I did a, a, a loving-kindness retreat, all the awful things in my life came to my mind, just one after another. And it was like, ooh, I can't, oh gosh, I did that. <laughs> oh God, oh no, no. Get me out of this mind. Oh. And uh, I, it was so bad, at some, at some point I said, okay, I'm going to just take an honest look and I'm going to list the 20 really bad things I've done in my life. <laughs> I was very lucky that I picked that number because I only came up with 17 really <laughs> bad ones. You know. Oh, there's an end to it. Uh, but, um, but what I realized is that um, when I cringe, you know, when you look back and you cringe at something, you say, ooh, cringing is going like this. Ooh, I feel really bad about it. If you find yourself remembering something that you've done that, that you regret and you're cringing, this is really a good sign. It's a sign that you're no longer the person who did that deed. And so, you know, if you said, oh yeah, that was a pretty awful thing to do. Well, I hope I don't do it tomorrow. You know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> You're not learning. Yeah. You say, oh gosh, I can't believe that. Then that's, that's a healthy sign. And we need to forgive ourselves for the unconsciousness that we had. There's a a beautiful um, line, uh, teaching that maybe you've heard of, says, for, um, forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. You can keep on replaying over and over what you've done or what happened and be caught in that in that. Um, pain and not seeing that everything you've done is part of, as I've said in one of the groups, your curriculum of learning. 
as long as you're facing in the right direction, as long as you're learning, then everything counts. Okay, so this is living with integrity, the bliss of blamelessness. The sixth wholesome state that I find so um, important, it's really uh, the, uh, the essence of, of what the Buddha taught, is um, what I call the joy of letting go. And letting go in the, um, in the Buddhist, te- Buddhist teachings is, uh, the word in Pali is nekkama, <coughs> N-E-K-K-H-A-M-A. And the Buddha, in the, in the scriptures, it's spoken of as uh, renunciation, the joy of renunciation. It sounds like an oxymoron, you know, it sounds like a contradiction. The joy of renunciation. Oh, it'll be so good when I let go of this and let go of that, all those good things that I love, and oh, do I have to let go of that too? <laughs> but renunciation, another word for renunciation, is uh, simplicity, is simplifying. And that feels really good to let go of the baggage of what you don't need that you're carrying and you're holding on. And to distinguish from what you want to uh, with what you need, there's no end to the wants and the desires. But what you need is very little. And so to really see you can let go of the, the gold shivers and all of those things that, that, that you don't have and just see, oh, contentment is about um, wanting what you have. You know, that, there's an old Sinead O'Connor song, you know, I do not want what I have not got. Um, it's, oh, this is enough. And there's lots of different ways to let go. There's letting go of, of our stuff. And this planet really needs to, for us to learn how to let go of our stuff and simplify. You know, particularly in, in my country, it's just crazy. Where more is better. You know, the Finns are so, are so good from what I've seen at this. Just There's such efficiency in the way space is used and in in really in a uh, it's beautiful the the simplicity you've somehow figured it out and and my country and uh, much of the affluent um, members in in the West are still caught up in wanting and getting more so that's one thing letting go of stuff Letting go of busyness. It's one thing to not want to accumulate stuff. It's, it can be very hard to find balance in our lives and to see, oh, okay, um, I don't need to fill up every moment. Here's a, think of it, think of it, a, a um, a lovely teaching from Peace Pilgrim, who was a very uh, wise um, American woman who spent, I think it was like 30 years, she, she uh, gave, gave herself to a life of simplicity, and she just went around the country with a t-shirt, with a sweatshirt that said Peace Pilgrim, and a toothbrush, and uh, and and meeting people who would take her in and hear these very wise teachings about simplicity. Uh, really great if you, you can just Google Peace Pilgrim to get her teachings. Uh, and this is uh, one of her teachings. If your life is in harmony with your part in the life pattern, and if you are obedient to the laws which govern this universe, then your life is full and good, but not overcrowded. If it is overcrowded, you're doing more than is right for you to do, 
more than is your job to do in the total scheme of things. This is not so easy because we there's always more to do. You come to the end. Have you ever come to the end of your to-do list? <laughs> it's going to be there on your deathbed. <laughs> oh, if I could only live a little longer, I would get there. <laughs> that's kind of. If that's your goal in life, you know, at the end of your life, wow, I really almost got to the end of my to-do list. <laughs> so it's, it's letting go of the busyness. And, and one, one um, uh, instruction is if you add something on your plate, you need to take something off. Mm. Uh, so another aspect of letting go is of the the control that you never had in the first place, letting go of your expectations, letting go of your uh, of your uh, attachments and hoping that things will turn out a certain way, and a, a kind of letting go that I find really profound for the purposes of our practice that you've been practicing in your own way is letting go of the stories that we believe that keep us small. We, most of us have some stories that we carry around either about ourselves or about life that, or about others that we believe and filter our uh, our understanding through and not realizing that they're keeping us small. I've seen this about me uh, many, many times. And when you see the story, and it's been beautiful in, in a lot of groups, people have seen, oh, this is what I, I've somehow carried. Oh, that I, you know, that I'm not good enough or that I'm not whatever, you can fill in the, the blank that I never can or that I always will. Um, and when you see through it, it's like you're busting your mind in a good way and you don't have to be held back by that. So I think before I go on in this, with this state, uh, just invite you to go inside. You've been sitting now for a number of days. And maybe you've gotten in touch with some belief or story that has limited you in some way. I don't have enough patience, I'm not, I don't have enough courage, or whatever it is. Or because this happened to me, then I can never, or I will always and just reflect any particular story that you've seen or that you sense is limiting you, holds you back. Some belief that somehow you've taken on. And if you have gotten in touch with something, just experiment. What would it be like if when this thought arose, you could remember, oh, that's just a story. This is not necessarily the truth. It's just a story that I believed. Just imagine what your life will be when you don't have that story having such power over you. And perhaps ask yourself, oh, what can help me to remember that I don't have to believe this? 
Maybe give a little practice for yourself. Once you've seen how your mind just creates these thoughts and these stories, you can see thoughts are as empty as you see them to be or as real as you believe them to be. I, I told you, I mentioned about Joseph's instruction about if you're bothered by your thoughts. Did I do that here? Just imagine they're coming from the person behind you. I said that, right? Ah, what freedom. And for me, one of my basic practices, when I get confused, when I get lost, if I can remember, any time I remember, I simply ask myself, oh, what story am I believing right now? Sometimes I'll say, what thought am I believing right now? And as soon as I remember that, Oh, I've just created this scary story in my mind. And that's one of the real gifts about practice that you can kind of see. Oh, just mental fabrication. It's just a, just a thought. So this is the real letting go. And then the fullness of letting go is something I spoke about a few nights ago. Generosity where there's that sharing as well as as letting go. Okay, so that, the joy of letting go, and that can be, you're practicing it. Now the the seventh uh, step, which is learning to love ourselves. Now this is the key, I think, for many of us, the key in our practice, and we've been talking a lot about it, you know, Jane shared the self-compassion practice, and we've been doing, and uh, uh, Anna uh, gave uh, that, that beautiful um, uh, metta for self, compassion practice. You know. um, I didn't understand it because it was in Finnish, <laughs> But everybody, so many people have said, oh, that really touched me. You can feel the power of that because when you have just a moment of softening, of letting yourself be held with kindness and love, everything starts to change. And this means forgiveness not only from the past, but forgiving yourself for who you are. You are a perfect expression of life, as I've said before, that's never been here before. And to both forgive yourself for just being you, you start to see, oh, there's someone beautiful in here. Ajahn Sumedho has this beautiful um, uh, line. He says, um, we get in touch with uh, with something in, uh, inside of us and it's the shining through of the divine. That's what he calls it. Letting your light shine. Mm-mm. But as you probably have seen, it's not so easy to do, to see what's in there. Because somehow we're seeing ourselves from a very different vantage point than everybody else. And so we often are looking through a filter of, oh, I know this about me and that about me and that about me. And if everybody else knew it, they wouldn't really like me. Or you know, So maybe I have to be a little bit more than who I am so that they'll like me. You ever see somebody trying to be a little bit more than who they are and impress? Not very impressive, is it? But when you're with your friends, your your real friends who know you, uh, do you have to pretend to be more than who you are around your good friends? 
No, that's why you're friends. Right? Your friends know who you are. And in some ways, they know who you are even better than you know who you are. Because you're just looking through that filter that says, oh yes, there's this and there's that. And they might see that, they might know that, but they see all the beauty in you. Why else would they hang out with you? So I want to share with you a, a loving, my own version of uh, Metta for Self. Some of you are, are familiar this, with this already. That was a, a real profound shift for me in my own practice. I was doing a, uh, at one point, I was at IMS in Massachusetts and doing a six-week period of, of loving-kindness of, of the all four Brahma-viharas, but the first mm, four weeks was on, on metta, going through all the categories. And the first week was loving-kindness for yourself. That's a, it's a standard kind of a thing. So there I was saying, you know, may I be safe, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be, uh, may I live with ease. Just doing that over and over. You do that from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed. And just kind of programming yourself for, with kind thoughts. And it was, it was going okay. It wasn't great. But it was okay for the first, oh, two or three days. But it wasn't great. And then I thought of somebody who I knew really loved me. Someone came to mind. I said, wow, they really do love me. I thought, this would be so much easier if I could just see what they saw. And then I asked myself, what do they see anyway? Why do they love me so much? And that's when I, I hit upon this, this way of doing metta that I want to offer to you. So here's a little practice. If you uh, just uh, go inside. And I'd like you to uh, bring to mind someone, some being that you have a really um, loving connection with. And it can be a pet, it can be your dog or your cat, that can work too. Uh, it can be a child, it can be a dear friend who you share just a sweet, uh, loving um, bond with. It can be somebody from your past, or somebody who you've really shared um, that sweet, loving connection. And bring them to mind. Imagine they're right here looking back at you, maybe with a big smile. Oh, thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and now, as you, as you see their smile, just for a few moments, just feel the sweetness of that connection inside. Go inside as you do this. It's so mysterious how two people can form a unique bond that's just between the two of you. And as you're enjoying that connection, imagine your consciousness can move and inhabit their reality and from their perspective look through their eyes and see who they see why they enjoy being with their friend just get in touch with all the things that delight them about you Maybe your playfulness, or your kindness, or your loyalty, or caring. Notice all the qualities. And from their vantage point, just see, is this person worthy of kindness and happiness? That's probably what they wish for you. Oh, may you really be happy and send that to yourself from their point of view. And now let your consciousness float back from that vantage point to come right inside your own being. 
and from the inside stay connected to those beautiful qualities and just sending yourself some kind thoughts oh may may you really see all the goodness inside you can say may you or may I and may you share your love well may you be happy Whatever your experience with that is fine. If you didn't, weren't able to connect, that, that, that's okay. But if you can get a sense of something that somebody appreciates about you, that's good enough. Jane got me a, a, a pillow. We have it in our, uh, in, in our living room. It says, my goal in life is to be the kind of person my dog thinks I am. <laughs> You're not trying to impress your dog, are you? <laughs> but there he is, or she is. <laughs> it helps you if you have a little food. But, uh, but they just love you for who you are. Well, you just being yourself, that's enough. We, but we often don't see ourselves from that vantage point. If you met somebody who really got you, Suppose you met somebody who really uh, liked your sense of humor and mm, appreciated your perspective on things, uh, liked your taste, and who really got your take on things, who really understood you. How would you feel about meeting someone like that? Would it be good? There's one person that gets every joke that goes through your head. <laughs> Only one. They're right inside you. And if you met yourself on the outside, you'd be saying, Wow! <laughs> what a neat person! <laughs> Where have you been all my life? <laughs> Meet yourself. It's like that love after love. Feast on, take yourself down. Peel yourself from the mirror. Feast on your life. So this is the, the, the joy of learning to love ourselves. And the Buddha said this is a really important thing. Not the conceit of I am, but just not excluding yourself from the love that you'd want to give to everybody else. And then as that more and more is who you get, who you are, you're not so preoccupied with hoping everybody will say, oh, you're really okay. You know, that, that is often our main task. You know, you, that maybe if seven billion people line up one after another saying, you really are okay, maybe then it would get through. But it, it wouldn't even get through if every one of them said that and you didn't feel it for yourself. But as soon as you can get even a glimpse of it, everything changes. And there's a, a beautiful teaching I love from, um, from Zen Master Dogen who says, um, this is how the teaching goes, to study Buddhism, that is to practice the Dharma, to study Buddhism is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be intimate with all things. So what does that mean? I'll unpack it. I don't want to leave you with a Zen cryptic. <laughs> what the heck is he talking about? Okay. To study Buddhism is to study the self. When you practice the Dharma, this is your mind body, this is your laboratory, your mind body process to understand. To study the self is to forget the self. That is, once you kind of get, oh, I'm really okay. 
That was it, by the way, when I when I did that that uh, that meta and saw myself through somebody else's eyes. It wasn't like, God, you are an amazing human being. <laughs> it was just, you know, you're okay. That was it. Who knew? That's all it took. You know, you're really a decent guy. To study the self is to forget the self. Then you don't have to be so preoccupied. Am I okay? And to forget the self when you're not so focused on yourself is to be intimate with all things. Then you kind of start to look, oh, what's out there? Who else is out there? And that leads to the the next of the um, wholesome states of connection with others. That the more we, this is one of the reasons why it's so um, profound and, and healthy to feel good about yourself, then you have more love to give and you have that mysterious connection that we share with others that you know, maybe you just touched a few moments ago. Ah, to really um, enjoy the uh, that that love, that loving field. And there's a lot that can be said, of course, with it. There's uh, learning to forgive, especially when we have people close to us, like I did the other day, and and had you see the difference between metta and attachment, and letting go of the agenda, and letting and and not getting stuck when people disappoint us and cutting off our love. Then there's the, the love, I spoke about it, in, in, in interpersonal love. And another, another aspect, I'll just say this about, about this, uh, this wholesome state, um, is uh, besides enjoying that special connection we have with people, Here's a practice that I find really helpful and important for so many of us. And that is, it's one thing to let our love out, but for many of us, a bigger challenge is letting the love in. Can I really let myself be loved? Am I worthy of it? Am I, will they find out I'm a phony? Or if I really let it in, will it overwhelm me? Will I crack because it's just too much? And I find more and more over these last few years, um, the practice of really letting in love is a, is a very profound one. It's kind of the other end of that receiving. Remember I said about how powerful and important it is to receive. So here's a little practice for you. And that is when there's any goodwill coming towards you, when somebody smiles at you, (laughs) opens a door for you, says, hi, how you doing? And there's some kind of goodwill. Don't miss it. Let yourself feel that connection. And here's the extra little, it's actually a Tibetan practice of seeing everyone as your benefactor. See that person who has that warm uh, energy towards you as an agent of life letting you know that you're loved. It's just life letting you know, hi, you're worthy of this kindness. Yes. And to really let yourself receive it and take it in, once you start allowing it and you don't kind of squirm or say, oh, I don't know if I can handle all of this good stuff, and you just relax and let it in, you'll see it everywhere. And the amazing thing is, the more you see it and you relax and let it in, you can't even hold all of it. The only thing to do is to just let it out. So you become what I call a meta-recycling machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
fun way to go through life. And when you start to feel that ease and that connection, you start to notice and look for all the good around you. And that has a very profound effect on everyone around you. Because people can feel you seeing their goodness. Did I mention that here in this? Maybe I mentioned it in one of the groups. If If somebody comes uh, and, and they're seeing all your flaws and they're judging you. No. Did I talk about this here? No. 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 How, how, how do you feel? So you, you, somebody comes into a room and you, you can feel they're sizing you up and down. <laughs> feel kind of small, flawed, right? But somebody else comes into a room, and they might not—they might even know your flaws or your, you know, weaknesses at all. But you know they're just looking for it and seeing how beautiful you are. How do you feel? You feel beautiful, don't you? We can pick up that energy. So actually, you have a lot more power. Actually, drawing it right out of somebody just by seeing and looking for their goodness. So this is a a great way to go through life. Hmm. And uh, so this is connection with others. Okay, so that's the eighth of the wholesome states. And I realize I'm going to be doing a closing talk tomorrow And uh, what fits naturally in the closing talk would be to talk a bit more about the ninth and the tenth. So we'll kind of (laughs) stretch this out uh, a three-part and and leave you hanging, you know, like uh, the end of the chapter uh, and the end of, uh, what is it, Uh, it's one of your, do you have the crown here or do you have, uh, what's one of the... uh, Six feet under. <laughs> you know, the, the series where, oh no, what's going to happen next? Okay, well, you can just wait for number nine and number ten tomorrow. Uh, but just to uh, now practice intention, mindfulness, gratitude, opening to the hard stuff, integrity, letting go especially the stories and the beliefs that we don't need to carry, loving ourselves, connection with others. All of these are wholesome states. And the Buddha said, I'll just mention one last thing, the Buddha said, cultivating this whole, these wholesome states are not just so you feel good, and they do feel good, but they actually create the conditions, the ground, out of which awakening arises. So there's, a, there's even beyond just feeling good. This is creating the conditions for freedom. And it's right there. Keep your eyes and your awareness open for all the good around you. Keep looking for the good. I don't know, maybe you tried that. Anyone try that 15 seconds uh, six times today? Anyone try it? A few people did. All right. And Well, you probably had a whole lot. There wasn't much else to do, so hopefully you had more than 90 seconds of noticing what's good. You know. Keep on practicing that and looking for what's good. Not that you pretend that the other stuff isn't there, but to start inclining your mind and and seeing all the good around you, and that starts to become the habit of mind. Mm. So, we'll stop here and uh, cultivate a few seconds of just sharing the moment together. Here we are in like-minded friendship, feeling the support of community, and just enjoy it for a few moments.
And uh, so we'll come back uh, in half an hour, and we'll do our metta for the for the day. I'll close with that with the chanting, um, and uh, share uh, one more uh, favorite passage. I, I realize on uh, on uh, taking ourselves, seeing the good in ourselves.